Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Well, hey, praise the Lord. I'm Pastor Michael Jakes, and welcome once again to the Sunday Sermon Series here once again with a word for your heart and for your soul. We pray that all is well with you once again on this Lord's Day morning. Amen. We are streaming right now over Facebook and YouTube, and we pray that you'll be able to stay with us for a little while as we open up God's Word. Today, we come to the very end of our series entitled Lessons from the Parables. Amen. And today we're going to look at one of the more familiar uh, parables that Jesus spoke. But just because they are familiar, we must not allow these familiar words to pass away from us because Jesus is going to speak a message uh, that is needed for each and every one of us. Amen. And so we're going to get underway with the word of prayer and the word of God right after this. As you see, we're coming close to our date. Uh, we have only 11 days to go uh, before the release of our brand new book entitled Churchified or Sanctified, Exploring the Dangers of Religion and the Glory of Relationship. Amen. Once again, it will be it will be uh, ready uh, on August the 5th. Amen. So once again, we pray that you'll be able to get your copy. Amen. So we just honor the Lord and bless him for what he is doing and Good morning to each and every one of you who are watching us right now over Facebook and YouTube. Good morning, good morning, and good morning. Amen. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Lord, we bless your name. We thank you, Lord, once again, for giving us this opportunity to open up your word. Lord, where would we be without you? What would we do without you? Lord, your word says uh, that we could do nothing without you, and we surely do uh, believe this and know it to be true. Lord, we pray that right now you will have your way as your word goes forth. Lord, we pray you'll give us clarity of mind and heart. Help us that we do no violence to your word, Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray that you will draw us to a closer relationship with you as we read these words. Lord, help us to avoid, help us to avoid the danger of religion and self-righteousness. Lord, have your way in our hearts. Uh, lead us in the right path in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to come from the book of Luke, uh, Luke chapter number 18, Luke chapter number 18, and we'll start in verse number nine, amen? Luke chapter number 18, starting in verse number nine, amen? 
It says, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself uh, shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. This morning, I want to speak to you just for a few minutes about a tale of two hearts. Amen. A tale of two hearts. Because what you see here, what you see here is the outcome of two different hearts. Amen. You see one heart uh, that is fixed on self and you see another heart that is fixed on not himself, but on the Lord because he sees himself as in need of the Lord. This publican is poor in spirit. He, he is the crowning definition of what it means to be poor in spirit. He sees his condition. He sees that he is not worthy and he could not even lift up his head. Amen. But let's start here uh, with uh, what is said here in verse number nine. Notice who Jesus is speaking to. He is speaking to those certain ones who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. You see, that's what happens. That's what happens when one becomes self-righteous. That's what happens when one becomes uh, enamored with themselves. This is what happens. Uh, not only do they acquire a religious spirit, but they also begin to despise others. They begin to look down on others as their heads are lifted up into the clouds. Amen. This is what happens to those uh, who are righteous or see themselves as righteous in their own eyes. And there are, as Jesus says here, unto certain ones. It's not everyone, but there will, you will find, and I, this is unfortunate, but you will find these types of individuals, these certain individuals you will find in every church, in every church, regardless uh, of the denomination, uh, uh, regardless of the ethnicity of a particular church or churches, and that's even sad to say ethnicities because we all need to be together. Uh, but you will find these types of individuals in every single church. Amen. They are there. It may be the person sitting right beside you. They are there. But hear what Jesus says. Two men. And once again, these two men represent two different hearts. These two men went up into the temple. Both of them are into the in the temple, uh, which indicates that they were both in God's house. Both of these hearts were in God's house. The proud one and the humble one, they, they, they coexist in God's house. It says here that they both went up uh, to the temple to pray. 
One was a Pharisee and the other a publican. Let's talk about this Pharisee. Let's talk about the Pharisee. As you will see, this Pharisee uh, approached God on the basis of their own, their own righteousness. Some righteousness that they had uh, conjured up in their mind based on the, the works that they did, based on the amount of works, uh, based on the level of works, based on based on the simply on the things that they had done, this Pharisee had come to the conclusion that he was righteous. But it was not the righteousness that God will accept, amen, because his righteousness was apart from Jesus Christ. God cannot accept our own righteousness. Our own righteousness, scripture says, are as filthy rags in his sight. Amen. And so there's no way that we can come up with our own way. There's no way that we can conjure up our own brand of righteousness that God will somehow accept. It does not and it will not happen. So they both go up uh, to the temple to pray. And the Pharisee, and I always look at verse number 11, and I look at the wording. Uh, this is no mistake how it is worded. It says the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. He's praying thus with himself. That leads me to believe that to me, that's an indication that God was not hearing him. He's praying with himself. He's not praying to God. He is praying with himself and he might as well be praying to himself. Amen. And that's what we see here. But he stands anyway, because once again, because his head is in the clouds, because those who are obsessed, those who are possessed rather of this type of righteousness, they cannot see themselves. They do not see themselves as God sees them. And they do not see themselves as others see them. Amen. They do not do that. So he prays with himself and he says, God, I thank thee. So it, it, the prayer sounds good. It sounds like a prayer coming from his heart, but it's not really coming from his heart. Amen. This prayer is coming from his lips and it's coming from inside of his brain. Amen. It says, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. I am not like everybody else. Everybody else, they are extortioners, they are unjust, they are adulterers, and they are even as this publican, this, this dreaded tax collector that's standing next to me. That's everybody else, but that's not me, Lord. You see, for the self-righteous, prideful individual, uh, they, are, they are consumed with themselves. You see, this type of living, this type of life, it leads to a life of works-based righteousness. This man was the very definition of what religion will do to an individual. Religion will not only drive God's grace away, but it will also lead you to a place where God cannot receive you. He could not he, he could not see God because his view his view of God was clouded by his own self-righteousness. All he saw was himself. 
And that's very important to remember. And listen, these are words that all of us need to remember because any one of us, any one of us can turn out to be an accidental Pharisee. It, it, it doesn't happen overnight, but if a, the child of God is not careful, you can wind up being and living in this place that this Pharisee is living, totally oblivious, totally blind to his own condition. Uh, very much like we see uh, individuals in the, in, in the book of Revelation, the church at Laodicea, they did not know that they were miserable, poor, blind, and naked. They didn't realize. They thought they had everything that they needed. But God saw something else. God saw their wretched condition. This Pharisee was in a wretched condition, but he didn't know it. He didn't know it. And that's, that's what self-righteous uh, religion will do. It will take your eyes and cover them up to your own need. He couldn't see that he needed God. So he prayed with himself and he says, I'm not like everybody else. Verse 12, he continues, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. Look at all the things that he says. Look at all the things he says. I, I, and I again. You see, he is totally, as we said, he is totally consumed with himself. Outward appearances. He wants people to see him. He wants people to know what he has done. It's all about him. And when one is caught up in this type of lifestyle, that is what matters most. You. It's all about uh, me. When we go to uh, the book of Daniel, let's go to the book of Daniel and make this stark comparison. We see in the book of Daniel, and I want to look at King Nebuchadnezzar. You're probably also familiar with this story from Daniel uh, chapter number four. Uh, it was a dream. It was a dream uh, that uh, was had, and the dream comes to pass. We read in verse, starting in uh, chapter four of Daniel, verse number 28, all this came upon the King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. And here's what it says. The king spake and said, is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? Note, note the, note the stark comparison between what Nebuchadnezzar says and what the Pharisee says. The Pharisee is talking about all the things that he did, all the things that he possessed. If we go back uh, to the Pharisee, he's talking about, I fast and I give of what I possess. I am not like everyone else. And he goes on and on. And what happens to Nebuchadnezzar is what can happen to every one of us. God can bring us down. God can bring the proud heart down. He, he will bring the proud heart down unless something happens. Let's go on and read this story, uh, this true story in the book of Daniel. While in verse number 31, chapter four, while the word was in the king's mouth, while he's still sp speaking, but probably some more things he was about to say. And mid-sentence, while the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee, 
and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. God spoke, and those seven times, we don't know. We're not sure if it was seven days or seven weeks or seven months uh, or, or even seven years. I'm, I'm not quite sure. No one is really quite sure, uh, but it goes on in verse number 33. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. Uh, some have tried to uh, some have tried to say that it was some sort of a physical condition that had come upon him. Listen, this was God's judgment that came upon him. I don't know what physical ailment it was. I don't know what disease it was. But here we see the judgment of God that came upon an individual who was proud, self-righteous, completely enamored with himself and what he says he had done. My power, my majesty, my might, my kingdom. Oh, no, no, no. God will not share his glory with another. And down he goes. But we read in verse number 34, at the end of the days, those seven times, once again, days, weeks, months, we don't know. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lift up mine eyes unto heaven, and my understanding returned unto me. And here's what needs to happen to the proud heart. Here's what needs to happen to the self-righteous heart. Here's what needs to happen to the religious-minded heart. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. You see, it turned from himself to God because it's all about God. It's all about God. And then, and then we see that he goes on uh, to bless the Lord. His reason comes back. We read in verse number 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment. And those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. See, he learned, he learned a valuable lesson, a valuable lesson. Those who walk in pride, God is able to bring down. There is no need for pride to overtake an individual. There is no need for self-righteousness uh, to take over someone. There is no need for a religious spirit uh, to take over someone's life. If it does, if it does, it stands to reason that you can become a Nebuchadnezzar. No, I'm not saying that you're going to be walking on all fours and hair is going to go down. But once again, he can bring you down. In God's own way, he can bring you down if you keep your head in the clouds and see no one but yourself. This is not what God desires. Amen. God, Rome, uh, James chapter four and verse number 10. Uh, God resists the proud. He resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He wants us to come down off of our high horse and stop seeing ourselves at the center of the universe. Look around. 
Look around. The fields are white unto harvest. There are many people, there are many souls that need Christ. But if we are simply majoring on ourselves, we won't see anyone but ourselves. Amen. It goes on. I'm back in the book of Luke chapter number 18 in verse number 13, talking about the publican. This hated individual. They were hated because they were tax collectors and, and publicans uh, normally were very crude and and, and, and very dishonest. They would take, uh, they, they worked for the Roman government and they had the freedom to, to charge exorbitant amounts uh, for their services. And they would take money for themselves. And so knowing that this publican, knowing uh, that he was a hated man, understood that uh, the people didn't like him and probably uh, God did not look down favorably on his behavior. But here he is in the temple, the publican, standing afar off, standing in the distance, in the distance, would not so much as lift up his eyes unto heaven. This publican is a picture of an individual who has been convicted of their sin, realizes that there is only one way, but yet does not feel worthy to enter in, does not feel worthy to enter in. He's in God's house. He's here at the time of prayer. The Bible says that we need to come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and help him in our time of need. And here he is. This man, it says here, he could not even lift up his uh, head, his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast. Once again, a picture of the, uh, uh, of the not only the conviction, but the pain that sin brings. There was nothing that he could do to relieve himself. And all he could say was, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Reminds me very much of myself before I got saved. Simply believing I was pretty much just like this Pharisee. I, was, I wasn't, of course, I was not a Pharisee, but my mindset, I don't do what everybody else does. I'm not a murderer. I don't bother people. I don't hurt people. So I'm not a sinner at all. That was my understanding of myself. And, and look at everybody else. It's a shame. It's a shame how everybody else acts. And, and, and I became, in time, I became this publican, at least in his behavior here in the temple. I, I, I came and I just said, help me, God. I didn't know what else to say. Help me, God. And the Bible says here that when this sinner, once again, he was poor in spirit, he knew his place, he became humble, he realized that he was a sinner far from God, uh, uh, symbolized and, and pictured here by the fact that he was afar off. But he lifts up his eyes and he says, be merciful. I tell you, Jesus says, this man went down to his house, justify. And that's a cold word, justified. That's a cold word for he went to his house saved, born again. He went home righteous because God saw his heart. God saw his humility and God saw that he was reaching out and God saved him. Be merciful to me, a sinner. See, God sees the heart behind the words. He sees the heart behind the words. No, when I first came to the Lord, I did not say, 
dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart, cleanse me, wash me, make me new. I didn't say all those words because I didn't know those words. But he saw the heart behind the words. God sees the heart behind this publican. God be merciful to me, a sinner. The thief on the cross, he says, simply remember me when you come into your kingdom. That man was justified. He didn't say, Lord Jesus, forgive him my sins, come into my heart. Simply, I uh, uh, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He saw, Jesus saw the heart behind the words. He sees the heart, even for the Pharisee, the prideful Pharisee, he sees that heart behind the words. He saw a heart that was completely lifted up, lifted up with pride. God, God rejects and resists pride. Pride is what brought sin into this world. Pride, Satan's pride, because he looked and saw that he was, he thought that he was so beautiful that he should be God. And he was thrown down. He was taken out of heaven because of pride. God has a very special place for pride in his heart. He hates it. A proud look, one of the things that God hates. The very first thing that we read from the book of Proverbs that God hates, he hates a proud look. A proud look. Pride is something that needs to be avoided at all costs in the Christian life. Amen. Go back to the Pharisee, uh, rather to the publican. He went home justified. Justified, once again, simply means that he went home. He was made righteous. God saved him. Amen. No matter where you are today, no matter what the condition of your heart is, Jesus Christ is able to save you. Maybe you realize somehow that, uh, that pride has begun to take over. Pride pride is a monster. Pride and self-righteousness, it, it is a monster that will grab a hold of you and it won't let go. And the only thing that can cause it to let go is, once again, uh, the Holy Ghost through conviction. We see, uh, we see uh, Nicodemus. Nicodemus was also a Pharisee. Joseph of Arimathea was also a Pharisee. But we see those two men who probably at one time had this same mindset as this Pharisee in this parable. Once again, the this this uh, parable is a picture of those who who think that they were righteous but despised others. Once again, it's a picture of Pharisees in general. That's how they were. That's what they thought. But these two exceptions, Nicodemus, who came to Jesus by night, and Joseph of Arimathea, uh, who allowed Jesus to use his own tomb to be buried in, these two men, these two men stand out as examples of Pharisees, prideful men, probably, at one point in their lives, who could come out of that darkness and come out of that mindset and come to the Lord. It can happen. Conviction can happen. What did Jesus tell Nicodemus? You must be born again. You must be born again. Amen. And that's what needs to happen. That's what happened to the publican. Amen. So we see here in this parable, this tale of two hearts, two different men 
with two different mindsets, two different hearts. One heart was lifted up to himself and one heart was lifted up to God. And we see the one who was blessed. Amen. Lord, we bless your name today. And we thank you once again for your word. Lord, we can never, we can never repay all that you have done for us, Lord Jesus. Lord, you have, uh, you have set us free. Lord, you have the keys and you have the words of eternal life. And Lord, we look to you for all that we have. Lord, we pray that these words uh, this morning uh, have been a blessing uh, to those who are, who are under the sound of your word today. Lord, we know that this malady called uh, self-righteousness and pride and even religion, Lord, we know that it can come and it can grab a hold of any one of us if we are not careful. Lord, we pray that you would help us to keep our eyes on you. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, let us focus and, and put our, uh, or rather put our faith in what you have done for us at the cross. Lord, we know that when we keep our faith in you, Lord, that you will keep us in line and your Holy Spirit will then do the work that needs to be done in our hearts and lives. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. God is good. Amen. We just honor the Lord and bless him and thank him for uh, all that he is doing. Remember, don't allow the clutches, don't allow the tentacles of self-righteousness and pride, don't allow them to take you because they will put a stranglehold on your life and they will blind you and bind you don't allow this to happen. Amen. So we just honor the Lord and bless him and thank him for all that he is doing. Amen. want to invite you uh, to join us on tomorrow night. Uh, tomorrow night, we're going to continue uh, with the line by line podcast. We're going through the Bible uh, one verse at a time. Uh, we are currently uh, we are currently in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number one, uh, Matthew chapter number eight. Amen. And we are moving steadily along, amen. And we pray that you're able to join us at 7 o'clock p.m. That's tomorrow night right here on Facebook, YouTube, and Spreaker.com, amen. Also, on Wednesday night, on Tuesday night, rather, uh, we complete our series entitled The Remnant, looking at a biblical overview of God's end-time people. Hope you can join us once again at 8 o'clock. That's at 8 o'clock on uh, Tuesday night. Wednesday night. We're continuing with our first principles of the Christian life, looking at the glorious church. Amen. What can we say? There is so much yet to be said. We'll be ending this particular series in just a few weeks, but there are yet some things that we need to learn about the glorious church. So you can join us at eight o'clock, hopefully on Wednesday night. Amen. Next week, we'll be coming at you with a brand new uh, Sunday sermon series. Amen. So we pray that you will join us then. Amen. Also, remember, we are coming up. We have 15 days to go, 15 days to go before the release of our brand new book entitled Churchified or Sanctified, amen? So we pray once again that you get your hearts ready, amen? Uh, and we pray that you will be able to get your copy uh, when it is released, amen? So we just honor the Lord and bless him and thank him for all that he is doing. Once again, shout out to all of you who are watching this morning. We wanna thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we see you and we thank you uh, for your presence and we thank you for just uh, supporting us. Amen. Don't forget to visit our website at that's the word.org. Also, don't forget to go to our YouTube channel and become a subscriber if you have not done so already. Amen. 
And uh, we just pray uh, that the Lord will continue to bless you, continue to pray for us as we continue to preach, proclaim, and propagate the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hopefully we'll see you on tomorrow night uh, with the Line by Line podcast. Matthew chapter 8, we'll be looking for you. And we will see you then. Until then, have a good day. God bless you. Offer deadline on Oak Street, aisle three. Welcome to the housing market. I'm with Redfin, and I'm here to help. I need to sell my house. Great. Redfin charges a 1% listing fee when you buy and sell with us, which is more than half off the usual fee and saves you an average of $8,400. Oh, wow. Is that all? Uh, yep. I'm kidding. You had me at 1%. Want to win? Sell with Redfin. It's real estate done right. Bidding war at the offer's counter in five minutes. Average savings is Redfin refund plus 1% listing fee. Subject to minimums. Not available in all areas. Learn more at redfin.com.